is Business Fever NG Podcast, episode 42. This is a podcast where successful food entrepreneurs in Nigeria share the success stories of how they built their brand and the lessons they learned along the way. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Olumide from Barbecue and Cravings. Hi guys, how are you guys doing today? Another fantastic day. So on today's topic, I'm going to talk about numbers. Um, I think that... um. As much as we're creative and we're running a business, like the health of our business really depends on how well we, we know our numbers. And you can almost think that you can outsource it, which is okay. But on a daily basis, you have to have an idea. Otherwise, you can't grow the business. And what I've also realized, again, from my own experiences, especially in this food industry, is like most people you hire let me rephrase that there's a chance that the people you hire can only plug numbers in all right so from my own experience i've I've tried hiring hiring um accountants i think i had a guy who was an icon who was even tutoring people on how to pass the exam and i realized that the kind of numbers they look at i guess it works but it's not like when i look at other like uh business abroad or i listen to podcasts or watch uh, youtube videos the numbers these guys are looking at is not what my accountant was looking at and i i think that each business owner needs to understand the pulse of the business and the key numbers to look at and the benchmarks we can use abroad no the benchmarks we can use from abroad to to get a good gauge of where we are in our uh, in our own business the challenges we have is like i can't tell you how mr x's business in lagos is doing because He's not going to open his books for me. And we're all, I use the word struggling, but we're all, we're all trying to figure it out. So I usually try to use benchmarks from, you know, the, Mr. not Mr. Biggs, benchmarks from like McDonald's, uh, Burger King, Chipotle. Or I just, look, um, I mean, let's go through, there's a side I go through, quick service restaurants or fast casuals, you know, and when you listen to a bunch of interviews, you will start pinpointing numbers that CFOs, business managers, restaurant managers look at. And I try to bring that into my own business. So um, what I get, we, I'll tell you what I get daily. And I'll tell you what I look at weekly and what I, what I look at on a monthly basis. So on a daily basis, I look at KPIs. And they stand for quick. KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. So what I do, again, what I get daily, it's not really, I, look, I don't look at it every day. But like every two, three days, I'll take a look at it. What I have for my KPIs, I look at um, I look at the sales, um, and I also compare with variances because we have different uh, we have um, we have POS from like three different banks. We get transfers as well. We have cash payments as well. So my um, my sales KPI has the cash we collect POS in my case, the bank POS and Demo Bank POS, and then transfers. I mean, you can, depending on how many banks you use for your transfers, I recommend use one bank, but uh, you can also break it down because this kind of helps out when you do your reconciliation. I do mine on a weekly basis. It's called bank rec. Um, and you realize you're going to have shortages, you know, overages on day one and some days shortages on another day. And this kind of helps us track which day we had an issue. And then you can kind of go back and say which staff closed on that day. So that's what I do. So this is done on a on a daily basis, and I follow it on a monthly basis. So I can go back to, you know, May, and I can say all well, my sales was on this day. This is done on an Excel file. 
I'm sure people might have softwares that do this, but mine is just on an Excel file. So pretty much at the end of every business day, um, there's a paper we get, and then this gets populated by, I have an, by, I guess someone who runs my numbers for me, then I just proof this. Now, um, this helps me out when I'm doing my bank reconciliation. I do mine on a weekly basis because I want to make sure that the entire week's cash and transactions we should have gotten hits the cap, hits the bank. Now we have challenges where Mr. X says he did the transfer today, he didn't do the transfer today. We have chances, uh, situations where customer claims that well, this has happened a lot actually. They claim they made a, a POS payment. It says declined, and the money actually hits on our end. So bank reconciliation helps us see that. And then when the bank says, "Oh, this customer has complained about this transaction, they want to refund it," then I can say, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." And we have cases where when they do the tra- uh, POS transaction, it declines. They might end up doing a transfer. So it's almost good to really detail how all the money is coming in. Now, the banks usually give you a back-end option. So I'm kind of going into my bank rec right now. They give you an option to break down the daily sales per transaction. Um, so, for example, now, let me pick, let's say, Wednesday. So Wednesday, I had 20,000 Naira in POS sales. If I run the POS transaction for that day for UBA Bank, it's going to give me total sales at 20,000. It's going to give me the breakdown of maybe like, you know, 2K, 3K, 4K, but it adds up to 20,000 Naira. So there are times when I have not seen a particular transaction, just one or two, three POS transactions an entire day. Then I call the bank and say, bank, this isn't right. I didn't get the money. So you have to be that detailed. Obviously, with the bank rec, you have each, um, okay, so let me not jump too far. So this is the, the KPI sales. I also look at delivery tracking as well. Um, my delivery are broken them down into zones. So we want to have an idea where most of our sales is coming from. We've also, um, put a value to it as well. So for example, now we have, let's say zone one is like a one and maybe zone two might be, let's say, uh, Chevron. So. In a week, I don't really care. I I should I look at this, but it just the way this works for me is it gives me a direction of if I want to do marketing, where do I want to push my market more? So if we realize that in a month we have more sales coming from an, a, a specific area, and the sales figure is like you know decent, then we can say, oh wow, it seems like we have more high paying customers from this area. Let's try to do some marketing there. You know, uh, and it also kind of, it gives you direction to know who your customers are. You know, um, again, so we have, we've broken us, ours down into, we have a free delivery zone. We have zone one, zone two, and I think zone three. Zone three might be like uh, VI and FOE. Uh, we deliver there, but really, it, we, we try to limit our delivery between, we don't try to limit it, but we, we serve customers between ECOE and VGC. You know, and we just broken that down into like short areas. So that's the other KPI I look at. Um, yeah, I mean, there might be cha- days where maybe your sales don't close very well because you have outstanding payment. You can look at that to make sure you guys are collecting. But we have a pretty tight, si- we have a decent system where those numbers usually within two, three days kind of correct itself. And again, because I'm doing my bank rec every week, 
like within that week, most issues with customer payments that have not hit would have been resolved either through customer paying again, um, through POS or doing transfer, transfers or paying cash. So KPIs that I look at, again, is the sales per day broken down per cash, POS or transfers, also per bank as well. And then I try to tally up. So what I do is the total sales that we receive, cash, POS and transfers, I cross check that with what we have on the sales in our system. So they should tally up. If they don't, the question is why they're not tallying up. Do we delete some tables? Are tables unsold? So that's the KPI. Now for the bank rec, I do mine weekly because, again, it's just easier to do that. You have a lot of transfers coming in, small amounts. You have a lot of um, POS transactions coming in as well. So, so it's easier to go through maybe 25 transactions than maybe like 100 tra- transactions in a month. So that's what I do with my uh, bank rec. And bank rec is pretty much all the sales you're making is hitting your bank. If it's not hitting the bank, what is the difference? So obviously, in most cases, like bank... Bank fees are not that significant, but you should track it as well. But it could be maybe today's sales, we didn't put everything in the bank because our guy took money home. No, well, you need to record that. Or maybe you ended up um, fixing something that didn't bank money. So it's just a way to make sure for me that most of our sales, most of the revenue from my sale hits the bank. And if it doesn't hit the bank, I want to know what happened. So again, with the bank rec, I have... I run the reports for each bank. So I look at the credits um, and I say, okay, in UBA, we had 50,000 our credit this week. I look at my books to say, how much sales do we have this week? Uh, UBA. Now, the variance usually comes from the book side because bank is only what you put in the bank. Hmm, let me think about that. Um, so we, I've, I've noticed that Okay, so the issues the issues that happen it could be payments have been made by a customer. You have a printout that says you've gotten that money. Or you, you have an approved printout, but the money doesn't hit the bank because the bank system had an issue. You know, um, so that's why you want to reconcile that. Or maybe someone says they've done a transfer and you don't see it in the bank for that period. So I'm usually just trying to cross-check to see where could the variance be, but I've noticed more times that we've had situations where even sometimes when the customer uses a card, it doesn't print out with the back end of the bank because maybe it's into switch or it's extra or extra switch, for example, right? So I can't really verify that. So then I'll be like, okay, I have four transactions on this day that I don't see. Bank, can you show me proof that this money has hit my bank? So I do bank recs every week. Um and I usually do it on, I run the re- bank report on Tuesday because, so it, it, Monday through Sunday is a week for us. So I would run the report from the bank on Tuesday because I expect that most of the trans- transactions on Saturday Friday through Sunday through Sunday hits the bank Monday. Now, when there's a public holiday, just add extra day to it, you know, because it gets messy. <laughs> you know, it gets messy when you're trying to, you know, take a, a snap picture for a set period. And then the bank is kind of make, uh, mixing numbers in because the system is a bit warped. So that's the bank rec. Um, I look at my income statement on a, on a monthly basis. So that's pretty much your entire revenues minus all your expenses. And then, you know, what do you have left? This is healthy because 
there are margins you can you can pull out from this. So you can look at your food costs, for example. You can look at your overhead costs. Um, salaries are usually very fixed. Um, you can look at your other expenses. Maybe you spent too much money fixing your gen this month. So that's done monthly for me, and I always need to see it. You know, and then also, it, it kind of tells you the direction you're going to. So like you can look at, oh, in January you did like let's say, hundred thousand dollars in sales. In February we did about one twenty thousand dollars in sales. But then how come we spend more money on, you know, let's say food in um in uh January than we did in February and we made more in February. So it that comparison kind of gives it a it helps you f- narrow things down. You can also ask him very detailed questions. So for example, now when I tell my staff that we need to cut back on cooking gas expense because it's going up. And I'll be like, We spent more money this month and had less sales than this no, okay. We spent more money last month and had less sales than we had this month and we have more sales so what's going on now they can be like oh maybe we didn't fry as much chips we didn't use as much gas or maybe you know so it, when you when you have the breakdown of your when you have the breakdown of your income statements your expenses you can start seeing where you're bleeding you know um and you'd be surprised how much just expenses you have that you're not really tracking so we kind of track all of that as well um People look at break even. I mean, I guess you can look at that. I'm not going to talk much on that. Um, even actually turnover, I look at it as well because it tells me how well we're doing. Now, I picked this up from one of the YouTube videos I have watched, and they recommend that businesses should run between, like, a eventually turnover between like I think between six and eight for fast casual restaurants. Obviously, we have a Nigerian factor tied into this, so it may not really apply for us because they're abroad. They can get supplies every day, you know, and, and reputable reputable businesses will be delivering to them. We don't really have that much of that, so we have to stock up. But the idea of this is do not tie your money down in inventory. Now, what happens with this is, so an example is if you have two gallons of, of cooking oil left in the office in storage, um, by default, the way employees will use the oil, they might misuse it because they know they have a lot of they have a lot left over. So the idea is you're you're only keeping the stock that you need. And again, so if I'm buying, we go to the major markets like twice a week, no, twice a month for major market. We buy dry items and supplies and things like that. And then most things we buy, you know, weekly. You know, sometimes every two three days because if I have I'll give an example. If I have enough, let's say, sweet potatoes in the office, we ordered maybe like 60 kg. Um, you'd be surprised how thefts can get increased, um, over portion can get increased. So rather than having 60 gra- uh, 60k for like, let's say, one supply, I'll buy four days, five days supply at a time. You know, um, it gets annoying because then you're you're constantly, you know, stocking up, but then. It helps the bottom line, and, and I can. It works for me, you know. Um, and this is for all the items that we buy. Um, again, it reduces theft. Um, it reduces over portioning. Even stock taking is easier. I mean, imagine you have like fifty crates of, of X to count every time. That's just five crates, you know. Or you have X amount of stuff, and so storage as well too. So the idea is for for you to be lean. So I look at that. Um, on good months, we might do like five, which means our inventory might turn maybe like five times in a month. Um, but we're still below standard. But again, who's standard? You know, and the Western world is different. But I, I, I want to 
use that as my benchmark. Um, what else is there? Oh, we have a budget as well. And the way we did a budget, but again, we don't really follow it, but we're working towards that is when you track your sales for less than like three, four, maybe like two weeks, um, you'll start seeing a pattern. And what you can do is, depending on how aggressive you want to be, you can say, if I sold 10 eggs on Monday last week, oh, let me, if I sold 10 eggs on average a day last week, then you can assume that, um, and then that was maybe like consistent for like two weeks. You can assume that your rate of egg usage is 10 a day. And then in a month, you have to buy 300 uh, pieces, you know, and if you expect like a 10% increase in sales, then you just say, okay, the budget for this coming month is 330 uh, pieces of eggs, whatever how many place that is. And that you put a, a number to that, you know, um, it's good to have a budget. Um, you know, because then you will know if the efforts you put it in, if the results are corresponding to that, you know, um, and it's healthier. I mean, again, I have a bit of an accounting background. No, I have an accounting background. So usually for my income statement, I can look at things. I can say, for example, if I, if I look at my income statement, I look at how much we spent on food and our food costs. And I look at the revenue and I do the, I divide the food cost by the revenue. And I say, for example, like the healthy food cost should be about 30%. You know, um, we'll discuss it again when we're doing, when I talk about food costing. So I can tell if we were in line or not by just how well we kept within that ratio. You know, um, again, I look at my overhead as well and say, oh crap, overhead is this amount, percentage of sales, and we need to bring it down. And then the numbers will just jump at you because, you know, especially if you're comparing, if you have a record of all your sales and expenses, you can say last month we spent 160000 on diesel. Why are we spending 250000 on diesel this month? Now, you can find out maybe they posted something in the wrong place or maybe staff is still in diesel, you know. So having a budget gives you like a benchmark. And then whenever sales is increasing, just increase that budget because you don't want to be talking about how last year you were doing this, but now maybe you have like four extra generators that requires more diesel. In our case, we went from opening six days a week to seven days a week. So definitely my sales is going to go up, but also my expense is going to go up as well too because now we're actually consuming more items. So it's always good to kind of um, check on that. But those are pretty much that. I mean, I'm sure there are other numbers you can you can look at, but on a weekly basis and a daily basis and a monthly basis is what I focus on. And um, it's, a, it's a good start to do this because, again, you need to know if you're bleeding, where you're bleeding from, and then how do you fix it? Um, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, I guess in the comments, you can send us an email at um, info at businessprovetng.com. I'm curious to know what numbers you look at or you can just respond to us on our on Instagram, um, these are my numbers. I, I like looking at them. Um, it's I'm doing better now than I did three, four years ago. But I can imagine that a lot of business owners are skipping this because it's not easy, you know. Um, and then also, oh, what I was trying to say with the accountants that I've hired before, they will not t- they will not focus on these numbers. They might just focus on maybe bank recs, what's going into the bank. But you need to know these things uh, you need to know what your inventory turnover is um, you need to know what areas you guys are pushing more sales to you need to know 
you know, how do you want to upsell? Like if you want to like make X amount of more, X amount more money, where do you do it? You can increase sales, you can cut costs, you know, um, you know, and that could be reduced, even reducing portion as well too. So know your numbers gives you a better blueprint to having healthier financial numbers for your business. So also for the KPI, I, I um, it's not really a KPI thing, but I look at my stats. You want to look at your top selling items in it within a period or least selling items. Usually what I have done in the past is any items that don't move very well, I take them off. You know, also with even costing as well. Sometimes I look at recipe items. So in the beginning, I had um, like a barbecue spice that we spice the raw chicken. Then we had the barbecue sauce that we applied before serving. Then I had a dry rub we also applied before serving. So pretty much we had like three different layers of spice. And I realized that when spice kept going up, black pepper and garlic, it wasn't, we couldn't keep it up. So I took out, I took out um, the dry rub to save some money. So again, it's like when you know your numbers, when you know like your, everything that goes into your product, there's certain things you can take out, then you take them out. And as long as it doesn't affect the end product, you know, and also customers cannot tell the difference. You know, we also switch. We used to do like um, a barbecue sauce with ketchup Heinz before. When ketchup went to like a thousand plus, I stopped doing that. So now we do our own ketchup with like tin tomatoes. You know, obviously it's okay because we're using, we're using it for like raw barbecue sauce. Now, we, we I won't use that for ketchup for fries. You know, so the, the, the idea is once you know your product, once you know the cost effects to it and how you can adjust it then you play around a little bit to see where you can get savings so that's just uh that also key again to know the list selling items take off your menu you know why keep it on if most of the customers are buying again that goes to the also Pareto's, Pareto's principles if most of the customers are buying x and y from you why do you have a and b on your menu that's just for your ego <laughs> you don't need to have it on now if it's a new product and you think that maybe through pushing the market, you might be able to get people to, you know, buy into it. Maybe, but sometimes I'm, I'm learning now, it's not what you want people to buy from you, it's what they desire, it's what their interest is. And you can try introducing new products and you, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually good to do that, but you can't fall in love with that idea because ultimately customers will let you know if they want it or not. And if they don't want it, you got to take it off because... It's, it's taking retail space, <laughs> you know, it's operational space. Um, it's also time money down for you because those things are not free. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for your time once again. Have a wonderful day and until um, next podcast. Take care. If you like our show and you want to know more, please check out businessfeverng.com. Share the link with your friends. Leave us a review on iTunes. Join us again on Monday for a new podcast. Thank you.